0: This is Binod Shankar you are listening to The Real Finance Mentor Podcast from TheRealFinanceMentor.com The Real Finance Mentor is your go-to resource for insight and inspiration on careers in finance, CFA and more. Now you would think, why this podcast? Well, my goal is to deliver insight and inspiration for your finance career by making it 1. Relatable. This is not theoretical stuff. We zero in on the critical practical issues. Number 2. Authentic. No bullshit. No sidestepping. The topics, guests, and questions are all from that perspective. And number three, take a chartered account and CFA Charter Holder, add 17 plus years as a corporate warrior, mix in 10 years of entrepreneurship, during a decade of full-time CFA training, add speaking, mentoring, cycling, and mountaineering, and that's me. Welcome to The Real Finance Mentor, or as I call it, RFM. Today, I have with me a special guest, someone who's not a CFA Charter Holder or candidate, or anyone in finance or even an academic you might wonder why well i'll tell you why because mira riley my guest is a leadership consultant with 15 years of experience in training assessing and coaching young professionals a lot of expertise in motivation resilience employability and of course very importantly career success welcome to the real finance mentor podcast Mira.
1: thank you for having me
0: very interesting today. person on on board <laughs> now uh Tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. Um, so you've already mentioned the fact that I've now been working in the region for about uh, 12 years in training and um, specifically on soft skills and, and behavioral uh, training. I would probably say I didn't start off that way at all. Uh, so actually, if I go right back to my university days now, about you know, almost 15, 20 years ago, uh, I didn't really have a, a direction. Hmm. I started Hmm. off with uh, a passion for biology and science, Wow! Okay. (laughs) and I applied for my university degree in that major. Now the difference is I went to the US for for my degree, and um, when you you apply in the US, the beauty is you can change your major as many times as you choose, right? Right. So I started off in biology, didn't really fall in love with it, and I think a big part of that was because of the professors that I was dealing with at the time. It's
0: always the case, isn't it? It's always
1: the case, it really (laughs) is, it's (laughs) impressive. Um, so I kind of then started to move around. So I couldn't really figure out what I wanted to do, took a couple of career tests. Uh, and then I decided, you know what, I'm just going to follow my passion. And at the time, my passion, which still is very much the case, was travel. Uh, so my intentions were purely looking at opportunities in my in my uh, degree where I actually have the opportunity of traveling. Okay. And that's okay. where I end up in hotel management. Right. right. I was about to ask
0: you, the next question was, yes. you know, why hospitality management? I mean, and then you move from hospitality management to
1: leadership development development.
0: so explain that journey to me and and the struggles and challenges you faced along the way Sure.
1: yeah I mean it was uh, it was very coincidental Uh, I mean I did obviously finish my degree in hotel management uh, got my first job working for the Marriott hotels and I was you know in the customer service industry doing all the things that you were expected to do I enjoyed it. It was all right, but I never fell in love with it. I didn't expect it to be, you know, uh, I I thought I'd have a bit more passion for doing the Mm, job. mm. Uh, And then one day, the uh, HR and training department came to me and said, look, we have somebody who's uh, who's leaving, and we just need somebody to help us out for two weeks. Would you be willing to offer your support in training very simple customer service classes? And so they gave me the the train-the-trainer session. I did it, and I absolutely fell in love with it and they they had delays in trying to get recruitment through and eventually realized actually i was very capable and a natural as, as they said at the time
0: so this is interesting i gotta interject yeah. here because a lot of people the number one fear is a fear of public speaking yes right yeah. so i gotta stop and ask you where do you get the confidence and the courage and the conviction to stand up and talk to public God,
1: it's a very good question um i would definitely say this is something i was brought up to be doing i mm. i have a very strong matriarchal family, my, my right. mother and I have quite a few aunties who are, uh, I would say, impressive women and, right. and have either been involved in politics, uh, business, you know, at senior levels, you know, and so on. Uh, and it was instilled in me from a very young age. And so I was involved with things like debate class at school. Mm. I was the president of my student council uh you know and i was a champ you know i was captain of my my basketball team at the time i was playing sports as well so Mm. i had built on that confidence that helps early stages In the early stages i mean it didn't mean i wasn't afraid i was i was Mm. completely terrified when they asked me the first time but with preparation and dedication and a bit of hard work uh, you know they saw that i was capable of doing it and i loved it right and i think the love alone is enough for you to really pursue something uh, and do it you know, better than you would usually. Yeah, if
0: you have a passion for it, it sort of powers you through, isn't it? Yeah,
1: absolutely. But
0: then, what I mean, you have made, you have switched areas in terms of, you know, education, mm. uh, your qualifications. Now you're doing leadership training.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you've worked with many groups, nationalities, mm-hmm. countries, uh, ages. Yeah. What are the challenges you have, you have sort of seen and, and uh, what's the experience? Yeah, what's the experience?
1: So uh, the big thing for me was when I moved from the hospitality industry into the training industry, I mean, it seemed very. Uh, Easy when you're doing internally through an organization. But then I made the decision that I needed to go back and get more of a qualification thinking that was gonna help in my training capacity. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I went back and got myself a master's degree. And now I look back and reflect on that and I don't necessarily think it was um, the best decision because Mm -hmm. I probably learned a lot more from the experience I was getting at work than I did from just getting that second uh, degree. Uh, having said that, I mean, what it did was was push me out of my comfort zone because then I started freelancing uh, and learning the, you know, I knew that I was, I was happy or comfortable in the customer service realm, so I was training in that regards. And the biggest challenge I had very early on is um, uh, confidence was mm-hmm. one, uh, but also being um, confident in my ability to do the job in a way that is relevant to the, the people that are standing in front of me so it was much more about you know am i, am I too young to be training people are going to look for gray hair factor mm, mm, mm. Um, that over time changed uh, just because of, again practice 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 um, and then i got an opportunity working for an organization uh, based in the uk who needed a bilingual trainer for for their for this region for the mm. middle east and africa region uh, and that was probably my biggest success um, in, in regards to my career growth and um, was also the hardest time because mm-hmm. I was left on my own even though the organization was set in the UK, uh, they really felt like you know this is your space, you have to go out and do the business development, you have to go out and find the material for the training Uh, You had to just put it all together
0: almost like sink or swim kind of situation, right? I mean
1: 100% and my boss I remember these conversations with him. He'd you know expect me to just go into a meeting within two weeks of joining uh, and you know be able to just get on my feet and do what I was supposed to do Uh, And at first I would you know, I would go in thinking no, I there's Mm. no way I could do this Uh, And he he put a lot of trust in me and Mm. and and also mentored me through the process to the point where you know, I did feel very comfortable and now you know, years later, I am very thankful for that time hmm. because it made hmm. me swim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tough <laughs> yeah. times make you tougher or, or learn a
0: lot. Yeah. Which brings me to a very important point, Mira, because one of the issues that we face um, globally is employability, mm-hmm. uh, work readiness. And you are, I'm aware, very intimately familiar with the issues and, and solutions relating very to Very much so. Youth employability. Yes. Um, so what people do is they, they graduate from college or high school, mm-hmm. but they come out of the workplace and they find that employers demand a very different set of skills compared to what they've studied, Yes, which is basically academic stuff. Yes. Valuable but not exactly useful or, or, or meaningful in the work context. So what, what are the issues you see here in terms of employability?
1: Um, I think the biggest problem that I, I find, especially you know when we're talking potentially about the millennial uh, generation mm. or people who are just recently leaving the university realm is that as you very much very, you pointed out very well was the fact that there's a bit of this badge collection you know people look for qualification as the number one approach to being able to break through the market mm. which is absolutely mm. you know right mm. and mm. it does help uh, however it is definitely not the only thing it's, it might br- get you through the door but it's not gonna keep you there, okay? So what I look at is how can you have a bit more of a wholesome approach to your ability to get a job and a job that will help you maintain a career instead of just a couple of years uh, you know, working here and, and that's it. You know, Most of the time, if you're just focusing on your technical skill, uh, you don't necessarily look at the ability to do your behavioral development, which is mm-hmm. looking at things like collaboration or problem solving mm-hmm. or critical thinking, uh, even simple things like time management. And um, the world of work is changing. People, even simply from the interview time, people are now looking at it much more from that space. You know, people are, are hiring for attitude and value versus skill. Yeah. You can yeah. teach the skill.
0: So exactly. So, so just to go back as a reference, the CFA Institute globally mm. uh, brought out a publication about the future investment professional, mm-hmm. and they stressed on the fact that soft skills are highly priced um, because of the way workplace is changing. Yeah. And specifically, they talked about collaboration, personal effectiveness, yes. humility, yes. Uh, communication skills. 100%. Which are all areas in which I think youngsters need to work a lot yeah. on.
1: And, 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 and give a bit more uh, emphasis on. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people just don't think of it as an issue or an area that they need to focus on. Uh, especially if you uh, focus so much on the qualification, you're yes. so you take so much of your time, you know, in the books, reading and doing your homework and doing what you need to be doing, which you know is not a bad thing. But then you forget about the, the what we call, you know, street smarts.
0: So, so what happens a lot is, so you pass chartered accountancy mm-hmm. you know, first attempt, for example, yeah. or CFA uh, first attempt, and these are very tough exams. Yeah. But I think people come out with the feeling that you know what, I've climbed the mountains, I've summited. That's it, that's enough. I know I had the feeling when I was yeah. young, when I did my charter accountancy. I thought that was it, there's yeah. nothing more to learn. Now I, I realize how na- naive <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I it's was that, yeah. uh, with that, that kind of illusion, yeah. So, yeah, so in terms of uh, the employability and work readiness and, and, and other things, what do you think are the top five skills anyone entering the workforce should master? And why do you think they are so important?
1: Well, I mean, you, you, you already kind of um, said a few of them, mm. which are very, very uh, important things like uh collaboration, problem solving communication, so on, uh, I think some of the areas that probably more so than ever now, especially with the way that the world is changing, uh, is the skills that you need to really adapt to are uh, resilience mm-hmm. and adaptability. So like you say, you mm-hmm. know you might feel like you're on top of the world when you when you graduate from that first level of CFA, uh, the reality is things will still continue to change. Well, there are two
0: more levels left.
1: Well, there's two more levels left. And then also it might not get you through the door. And I, there there's so many more people getting qualifications and master's degrees and I don't know what yeah. that you're not necessarily you know, at the top of the, of, of the group mm. uh, when you are going in to, to deal with these interviews. And what they'll be looking at is other things. And you know, even the way that interviews are being set now is competency-based interviews are all about, tell me about a time when you were able to solve this problem. Mm. Tell me about a time of how you adapted to change. And what they're looking for is your behavioral skill around change management um, and adaptability and resilience.
0: So a very important point here. A lot of youngsters ask me, okay, you know, Benoit, I've passed my CA or my CFA, mm-hmm. but I'm a youngster. I have not got any experience. I'm a fresher. So interviewers ask me about adaptability and communication and collaboration and teamwork, but I haven't had a chance to work Yes. and gain this valuable skills yeah. so it's like a chicken-egg situation how yeah. if I want to get a job I have to have the skills but to get the skills I have to have a job. job so how does one break this I'm sure there's a secret sauce to this well
1: right? I, I will from my own personal experience I can tell you for me it was uh, as much as you possibly can relate back to the life that you have now there's mm-hmm. a lot of this focus I need to be in a job or a professional job for me to be able to think creatively or collaborate but actually, at university, you're probably done projects. Mm. Um, you know, I did a lot of volunteer work when I was that age, and I went out and, and you know I lived in Jordan, so there were refugee camps everywhere, and you would go help out and you know provide uh, you know, your own problem solving solving skill to areas that needed it and your own support. Um, uh, I did things that were outside of just the normal academics that are expected to do. And even, to be honest, when I was at university, mm. I got jobs through university, not just because I needed the financial support, but actually because I needed to learn. So mm. by the time I went off to, to apply for my first jobs, I already had a decent enough CV that I could relate back to. And it was more personal stuff. It didn't have to be this, just, you know, Career driven job that I was looking for.
0: So, for example, um, going back to the CFA context, mm-hmm. very importantly. So, the CFA Institute runs an annual investment research challenge mm-hmm. at university level. Okay. So, universities can nominate teams. Yes. And I strongly encourage universities and uh, students, undergrads, to yeah. enroll for it because it gives them a fantastic idea of not just how to prepare for a presentation, uh, yeah. but also collaboration teamwork, Absolutely. details, yeah, yeah. time management, 100%. which are valuable skills that are required before you enter the workplace.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, even things like for me, I remember one of the questions was asked was, you know, how did you deal with a challenging time? And I used the story of my basketball team. So when I was working, I was playing sports at school and actually at university. We had a circum- circumstance that was very difficult with one of the, uh, the uh, players. Uh, and then as a team, we got together and found an approach that could help this individual. So I used that story. It had nothing to do with work.
0: Basketball is tough. I yes. remember I remember going on a basketball court, what, 20 years ago? And yeah. I didn't last more than five minutes <laughs> of the court. I mean, this is when I was not <laughs> yeah. that fit compared yeah, to now, yeah. but it is tough. You keep it running is. back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you do basketball these days? I still or? do,
1: yeah. Oh. I try and keep, them, not as much, unfortunately. <laughs> So, so, time with the whole family. <laughs> so going back
0: to the skills again. So yes. um, we talked about a few skills that are important, right? Creativity, collaboration, communication, time management, adaptability and mm-hmm. resilience, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you talked about, you know, picking up some of the skills in university itself. Yes. Um, very valuable. How else could you pick up the skills? What else could you do?
1: Um, there's a lot of different small things I think that you could do. First and most important is talk to people. You know, actually get out there Uh, speak to your friends, your parents, your cousins, uh, people who are already in the world of work, who can Mm -hmm. give you just an idea of what it's like, especially where you're planning to apply, because obviously that might be different from Dubai to Jordan to India to wherever. Um, the other things is, is, I think especially this now, now, the big thing is continuous education or continuous learning and mm. doing this through, uh, you know, reading. Just pick up, you know, as much as you possibly can. Interesting books. If you're not a reader, then pick up videos. I mean, I watch TED Talks mm. every single day. I listen to podcasts around uh, the realm of experience that I work in. So, for example, for me, the radio uh, TED Hour is a, is a 30-minute podcast. Every time I'm driving to work, I have that on. And it's just almost a subconscious learning that's Mm. happening for me. Mm. But it's perfect because I can relate back to some of these experiences and and align it to my own story, which helps me again in in circumstances like this. Mm. Mm. Um, I think probably one of the other things is just um, by learning and doing all these different things, you know, podcasts, micro-learning, it's a great idea to get somebody who can really support you when you're going through challenging times or you're trying to move forward with something. Like
0: a mentor, for example. Like
1: a mentor, exactly. Okay. Like. If, if anything, uh, a lot of people feel it's awkward, You know, why should I go and speak to somebody who's potentially a bit older than I am or uh, and ask them these questions. Mm-hmm. They are absolutely an essence to your survival in this world. Uh, and just because of the experience they have, I mean, doesn't mean it's gonna be your experience. No, no. But they can definitely direct you because of the fact that they've had years of experience over yourself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So it's it's not easy
0: to find a good mentor. And honestly speaking, the good mentors are quite picky about who they mentor as well. Yeah. Because they're devoting their time and energy and and attention to this as well. Yeah. Yeah. You had a good mentor at the beginning of your career. You mentioned, you know, the sink or swim episode we talked about earlier. Very much. Very much, you you learned a lot.
1: And and that was through work. So, but then again, outside of work, I also had a couple of friends who were a, a little bit older than I was who when I had any career issues uh, or challenges, I would often go speak to them. Mm-hmm. So I knew okay. there was about three or four people in my life who I always go back, and I still do, till today. On speed dial. On speed dial, <laughs> absolutely. They are so important to my sanity as well, to be honest. Yeah. I yeah. think you
0: should have more than one mentor yeah. uh, because yeah. one mentor alone cannot cover every all, no. all the range of and issues And it's that only have. One,
1: one, one pair of eyes, one yeah. perspective. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, By hearing three or four different perspectives, you really get... Mm. You know, mm. a good idea of what you need to be doing.
0: Right. So something else I want to ask you, because from from you're a behavioral uh, uh, facilitator and coach. Mm-hmm. You understand psychology very well. I find this very odd. Uh, when I teach or I lecture or I mentor or I, you know, uh, advise people, I find that only a tiny fraction actually follows the advice. Now, you know, I'm very big on health and fitness, and, and I sort of, you know, I could scream my lungs out talking about, eating and you know, sleeping well mm. and working out and losing weight. But you find maybe, uh, I haven't done exact calculation, maybe 1% of those who listen actually implement. The same goes for studies, you know, as in focusing, regular study, revision in CFA class. And I'm wondering why do you have this huge, what you call the learning-doing gap, mm. you know, between people know what should be done, they know the importance of it, they even know how to do it, but they simply don't get it done. So from a behavioral perspective, what's your take on this and what are the solutions to that? I mean, yeah, if no. you have any. It's
1: yeah. funny you say the whole 1%. There is actually studies that oh, really? show okay. Okay. that uh, in a learning environment, actually the, the most you're ever going to get is 10% if you're lucky. Right. So, okay. so, so that's, you know, right. that's saying a lot about, wow. you know, you spend all day training and actually only 10% of that day maybe, maybe kind of uh, stuck within the person's brain. Uh, to be honest, it's a very, very important question to ask. And you know, that's it's the same thing that goes over and over for everybody with regards to, you know, wanting to lose weight mm-hmm. or have a, a habit. And there are again hundreds of studies out there of looking at why people don't necessarily follow habits or or are able to maintain a habit for longer than even at the amount they average it out. Like you know, the reunion, the uh, resolutions, New Year resolutions. Oh yes,
0: I was about to talk about that. Yes. By, yeah. by
1: Valentine's Day. of people do not follow. That's That's not very long. It's like, what,
0: Feb fourteen? One and and a half months. A month
1: and a half of of your life where you're maybe willing to do something like go to the gym, stop smoking, commit to reading more books, and then, so a month and a half of your life. Um, So why? My personal view on it is really down to confidence. I think a big part of the reason why people don't necessarily do certain things is because they don't believe that they are capable of doing it. And there's a lot of that going on internally in our brains of this um, self-limiting beliefs. Uh, we don't necessarily see ourselves in a way that's worthy, mm-hmm. and as a result of that, we tend to um, internally our internal dialogue tends to be a bit more on the negative side. And it's it's it's, a, it's if if and this whole issue of resilience is a big part of it. If mm-hmm. if you you know try for a month and a half, and you have a couple of uh, dips or failures within that time or setbacks, you know, again, I think it's 8 out of 10 people will actually stop doing Correct. what sort of yes. re- they were expected to do mm. uh, instead of realizing that this is just a one opportunity where, you know, actually you're, you're, it's a learning experience and you can move, move through it. So I think that's probably the big thing. I mean, other common things that you will always hear is time and priorities. Yes. Yes. You know, I don't have the time to do this. It's not my priority. I don't have the money to do this.
0: But I always say that's an excuse, right? I mean, saying that I don't have the time is pretty much saying it's not a priority. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'd rather watch Netflix than go to the gym in in the morning. Yeah. yeah.
1: But I think, again, it comes down to this issue of, uh, you know, when when you've you've got that moment of choice, you know, you've got the thought, I need to go to the gym or Mm. I need to go study for my CFA Mm. uh, examinations. Uh, You have that moment in point where, you know, that choice that you make is very much dependent on your mindset. And if the mindset is, it's too hard, this is really going to be dreadful, I can't see myself ever, you know, uh, succeeding, Uh, so what's the point? Then most likely you're gonna take the route of let's sit down and watch Netflix instead.
0: Exactly. So it it goes back to what I'm sure you know about this mindset Mm -hmm. approach, the Carol Dweck's famous work on growth mindset versus fixed mindset, which I keep talking about Mm -hmm. in in class and and webinars and things like that. Um, And I think, but I keep telling people you can change from being a fixed mindset person to a growth mindset yeah. person. Maybe that's a subject of a different podcast completely. But I think grit is important. I think mindset becomes important, mm-hmm. right? I mean, uh, when, when you approach such situations. Yeah. Because there will be failure yeah. and there will be setbacks.
1: Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. And, it, and the, the, the big thing about mindset and, and dealing with resilience is uh, your ability to be open and honest with yourself mm. is mm-hmm. that first step. Uh, you're saying, yeah, I don't know, but that's okay. What am I going to do about it? Mm. Go speak to a mentor. Go find somebody to talk to. Uh, you know, Look at it in a different approach. Find a different teacher if that's what you need.
0: Well, what, what you mentioned offline is that you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Or The term used was unconscious incompetence. Exactly. <laughs> 100%, interesting.
1: 100% true. Because if you think about it, that's a re- another reason why uh, you, you're so concerned about your own self-limiting beliefs of, of I'm not going to do this, I'm going to fail. But it's just an assumption. It's nothing more than just an assumption.
0: So how do you, so someone sitting in some remote place of the world, listening mm-hmm. to us,
1: mm-hmm.
0: struggling to achieve his ambitions, suffering from low self-esteem and mm-hmm. low confidence. How do you, what, what do you tell that person? I mean, you
1: know? The biggest thing is, number one is reflect. You've got to sit down and take the time to be open and vulnerable is, is really the, the, the important word with yourself and with the people around you. Um. And having done that really basically means you have to break down some of these barriers. So uh, a good example could be that, again, we use this example of you're you're, uh, not feeling very, you've got low self-esteem, you're in an area that you feel there's no way you can compete against everybody Mm. else. You need to start questioning those beliefs in your your system. Why do you think that?
0: And and one reason why they have low self-esteem is because they come from a poor background or didn't go to great college or get school, poor grades. Mm-hmm. Sort of, sort of builds up. Yeah. But I keep saying that, you know what, a, a great future does not require a great past. No, Do you absolutely, agree with that? I mean, absolutely,
1: yeah. because the way I see it is, again, the more open, honest, and uh, willing to accept who you are for who you mm-hmm. are, and start to build on that confidence and that worth, the more likely you are going to be uh, approachable in the future, because people will see you for your true self. Correct, correct. Uh, and that that true self is, is is what people really admire and is actually seen as, as a courageous step a lot of, a lot of people are not willing to take that step mm-hmm. so you know you're struggling in a CFA class if you go up to the teacher and say look I really am struggling here and I need some help on one two three is much better for you in the long run than than holding yourself in the back of yeah. the room and saying oh yeah. I'm not worth I'm not supposed to be here
0: mm. which happens a lot I'm sure in class as well you know. so I suppose the first step, in achieving self-confidence or getting better confident, uh, self-esteem is to be self-aware. I mean, th- that's probably the beginning of, of the journey, isn't it? Yes,
1: very much so. Very much
0: so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, moving on again. So, going back to you <laughs> uh, specifically because you know you come from an interesting background, uh, education, switch in careers. Now, getting personal now, and I hope you don't mind about this. No, of course uh, not. You're married, happily married, uh, one child and one child on the way
1: yes a lot going on yeah
0: going on so uh i'm single of course as Mm -hmm. we know so i'm very curious does being married and being a mom help in making others better i mean can you say you've become a better behavioral facilitator or coach or trainer because you've been through the experience of marriage oh 100 okay i shouldn't be promoting
1: marriage yeah exactly no i I, 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 I will No, because I mean, the, the thing is, is if you think about it, it's, it's, it's a career of itself, you know, mm. I mean, having children and, and being married means all of these well, characteristics I've mentioned earlier around, yes. you know, being able to be a better problem solver, uh, collaborate, find ways to be adaptable, uh, learn how to communicate, empathize. I mm. mean, I think that is the one absolute mm. most important factor that I've learned from being uh, a wife and a mother. Uh, is that uh, I've had so much um, experience of dealing with patients around that, of Mm -hmm. course, but empathy especially, you know. And my son, who is now three and a half, um, you know. Toby. Toby, (laughs) yes. And and, and the, the number of times, you know, we have to go through the experience now of teaching them very basic foundational skills around, you know, sharing or being able to deal and adapt with their emotions. And it's made me realize the one thing that we tend to forget to do mm. is in a, let's say a collaborative discussion, is first of all, to put myself in your shoes. Now with a toddler, it's so much easier because they're so emotional about certain circumstances. And for me to just get at his level and you know tell him that I understand that he's hurting or I understand that he's angry and frustrated is, is mm. mind boggling, the mm. difference, how, mm. how much me just saying that can actually uh, change his, his ability to uh, communicate.
0: So on that note again, a um, lot, of, lot of the students I know, um, listen to the podcast as well, are married. Mm. They are working women. Mm-hmm. Some of them even have children. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I think the pressures and constraints faced by working women are much more than faced by their male yeah. counterparts,
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, especially if you have kids. Yes,
1: 100 So
0: how did you balance uh, career and family?
1: It's so a very good, I'm, especially with I'm, a growing family. Yes, yeah. well, I'm 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 very much a part of this conversation right now because one of the big areas that I'm focused on at the moment is women in leadership. Okay. Uh, and there's actually studies that show even in a working family, so if both the mother and the father are working, hmm. uh, the mother still does two times as much ha- housework and three times as much childcare versus the father who is, and they're probably both doing nine to five jobs. A
0: very unequal partnership. So, so, so <laughs> this is the reality of the world that we
1: live in. Uh, having said that, I think um, there's the, the, the big thing from the female perspective and my own is, is this super woman syndrome I like to call which is you know this feeling that we have to um, keep every ball mm. up in the air mm. all the time. Mm. you know I've got my own well-being and physical ability to stay fit. And proper, I've got my children who I have to take care of. I've got a house and in-laws who I need to you know, con- be concerned around. And then I also have this passion for my career that I want to follow. And I'm no longer in living in the 1950s where that's no longer a choice. Mm. right? Mm. Uh, but then the problem is, how do you keep all those balls up in the air all Great. the time? Yes. Reality is you can't. Mm. Unless mm. you find a partner who is a real partner and supportive. Um, and also, or at least having those conversations. Frank, mm. open, courageous conversations. Uh, and ensuring that you give yourself that time and, uh, again, confidence to deal with these circumstances in a way that you think is, is possible. So and I'm assuming
0: that uh, time management becomes critical. Huge, huge. Personal effectiveness becomes yes. very, very important here. Yeah, yeah.
1: and knowing yeah. what's important. Mm-hmm. You know, and it comes down to me. The whole issue for me now is—is is I followed my passions. You know, I think from a very early stage in my life, even though my education was very off, but I still followed my passion at the time around travel. Uh, I then continued to follow my passion and left my career to go travel for a year and a half of my life with my husband and came back and then continued to follow my passions again in right. training and development in areas mm. that I thought were impactful. And so I don't feel like work is work. You know what right. I mean? Yes. And there are right. days, of course, there are days yes, where you're like, it's, oh, it's nine yeah. to five, I just want to be home. Yeah.
0: But at yeah. the same
1: time, I think it's because I love what I do that I'm willing to do it you know, and not be concerned about the guilt I have towards mm. the, the rest of my life. Right.
0: You mentioned a key word earlier, and I'm going to pick up on that as well, passion. Mm. Because a lot of these days I hear a lot of youngsters saying, by the way, you know, what, I don't know what my passion is. I'm a charter accountant, I'm a CFA charter holder, blah, 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 MBA. I'm now doing I know, equity analysis. Mm-hmm. I'm not so, what do you call turned it, turned on, by in love with yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but and, and he's heard about people who found their passion and become incredibly successful and famous and everything. So the question is, uh, how do you find your passion? I mean, does it suddenly you wake up one fine morning and boom?
1: No, definitely not. <laughs> I don't think so. I, 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 like I say, I, I mean, I started off with a completely different set of passions uh, that were very um, more about my adventure and my fun. Hmm. Um, I think...
0: But you never went down that road of I being never, a tour leader or no, climbing mountains no. or kayaking. I or could whatever. have. I you had the have. choice, to yeah, be yeah, honest. Yeah. But yeah. I
1: also realized that to me... Uh, I didn't feel at the time that I wanted it as a career. It just didn't seem to fit perfectly uh, with what I saw that to be. And that sense of adventure would have almost been taken away from, from that experience. <clears throat> I, I will say I was lucky in the sense that I, I, I fell into the right department at the time that was coincidental, really going back to my idea of learning how to train through um, my hospitality days and then learning how to freelance. Uh, But I think another big part of it is my drive and Mm -hmm. or, you know, in general, the way I see it is I found an interest, Mm -hmm. an interest I didn't know I had. And I pursued it, even though it wasn't a career, uh, you know, at the time I didn't see as a career at the time or I wasn't sure how it would be a career. And I would you know, this is advice I would give anybody is you start off you know, not really knowing until, you know, again, you don't know what you don't know
0: mm-hmm. until you know. <laughs> so, so basically it's going to be a long, possibly painful plan yeah. error journey, yeah. go down several paths, no, this is not for me. Yeah. Uh, which takes time
1: yeah very much so so
0: it'll take several years yeah. for you to figure it and, out and
1: i'll give you an example with my husband who had a very different uh, career background he started off in the army and did six okay. years in the military services in england left and had you know, as soon as he left he was g- genuinely not sure what he wanted to do and had this whole issue of uh, feeling lost and didn't have a passion for any specific career right but what he always knew he was very good at and he loved doing was working with people
0: mm, there you go that's okay. it so he
1: mm. that was it that mm. was all that he mm. needed to know he built his career around that. And he's now, you know, thankfully, a very successful man in doing what he does. And a lot of it is because he works in doing exactly that. His entire industry is about working with people. Uh, his job role itself is about working with people. Right. And so he's, you know, and definitely not something he he saw when he was you know, 22, yeah. joining the military. So
0: I suppose one way of sort of finding out what you are... What you're passionate about, or what you're good at, is probably saying, "You know, okay, am I good with people, or good with numbers? I mean, very crudely, of course, yeah. or good with processes, yes. or whatever things and like the, that." And the thing know?
1: that you really enjoy doing, like mm. you can spend hours doing it and be, you know, be lost in it, never think about what the rest of the day looks like. Right. And that's what you need to pursue.
0: Right. Uh, do you think <coughs> there are any uh, in these days where everything's available online? Do you think there's anything that uh, can be recommended to listeners? where they could go online and figure out, okay, fill in a questionnaire, do a self test, and possibly find out, broadly, what are the careers suited to me, and what and what are the skills that I have for those careers? I yeah, think, I mean,
1: there's, it's funny you say this, so when I was at university, I went, and I was going through this experience, I'm not really sure what, what I wanted to do. Mm. I did a career test then. Okay. And my career test then told me that I was gonna end up in an HR role. <laughs> not I,
0: far from what you're doing not now. Not far from what I'm doing
1: now. <laughs> and I didn't believe it. And I but, said, no, it's not my interest, yeah. I definitely, it sounds boring. <laughs> Yeah. And I moved on. And it was basically HR uh, professional, policewoman, okay. and then I can't even remember the third I one. I just can't or imagine it's a policewoman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> that that is was
0: way off. But yeah. what it
1: was picking up yeah. on was, again, the yeah. idea of helping others, yes. which, again, comes down to my own values and beliefs. That is one thing that I am so passionate about. And mm. so I think, again, why facilitation, training, coaching has worked so well for me is because it aligns so nicely with my values. Right, right. Uh, And, um, yeah, so I would recommend that. It's definitely Mm -hmm. an option. Mm -hmm. I always say get yourself out of that comfort zone. Right. Try, even if, yes, even if you're not sure, put yourself out there. um, Just, yeah, and don't forget to have fun in the process. But by, by putting yourself out there and stepping out of your comfort zone, you're taking risks. You might fail, but fail forward. Remember, it's a learning lesson. Yeah, yeah You know, yeah. and I, I've, I've set up my own businesses thinking that's what I wanted to do. It didn't go so well. I've closed right. down the businesses, but it was a huge learning experience.
0: So if you was to advise people on, you know, youngsters on three lessons, given your significant experience in dealing with people and different careers, three lessons in life and a career, uh, what are those three be? Top three.
1: Mm. Um, I... One of the big things that I follow myself, and I absolutely love this, uh, Amy Cuddy, I'm not sure if you've heard of yeah, her, yeah. She, she, talks, uh, she has a TED talk and a yeah, book about exactly. presence. Yes. And one of the things she talks about is um, fake it till you become it. Mm. And I totally believe in this. And I think the reason why I believe in this is because of the fact that when I joined the training department, the training kind of uh, industry, I didn't think I was very good. And I didn't necessarily know what I was doing. But because I jumped into kind of freelance quite early on after my hospitality days, I felt if I didn't seem as somebody who knew what they were doing, I would never actually get any work. Mm-hmm. And so I felt at the time, I just have to fake it. How are they going to know? What yes. difference is it really? Yes. Me just faking it. And I genuinely think it's because of the fact that I took that approach, mm. I was eventually able to become it. Mm. And I you know, I now feel very comfortable doing what I do. And I think a big part of that is because of the fact that I was willing to just take that Risk, um, and that's kind of probably my second life lesson, which is I've mentioned this already: yes. stepping out of your comfort zone. Right. You know, do the things that you think are impossible, uh, but don't forget to have fun.
0: Absolutely, very, very, yeah. very important. Yeah, very, very much important. so. Yeah. Very important.
1: You know, whatever you do, follow your, your passions, and um, the money, whether it follows or not, is not important. You'll Correct. just be a happier person.
0: I tell people the same thing, especially youngsters. Don't focus too much on how much money you're making now. Yeah. Focus on learning. Yeah and being in the right place, hopefully with the right company and the right Mm -hmm. mentor and the right bunch of people. That's that's what's important.
1: And listen to yourself. I mean, I think Mm. a big thing about uh, this part of the world especially is your background, your history, your family especially Mm. have Mm. a very strong idea of what you should be. And it usually tends to be a profession. You need to be an accountant, a lawyer, an engineer.
0: (laughs) A doctor. A
1: doctor. (laughs) And and then you you, you force yourself into these circumstances and realize it's genuinely not what you want to be doing. Uh, you know, I had those conversations with my father growing up. Uh, I think I was always a rebel, and he he, he still <laughs> okay. says that. But now he looks looks back at our our, you know our history, and he's very proud of what I've done with myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that was because um I wasn't so concerned about what other people were 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 saying to me, and much more followed my gut instinct of what I knew was a passion for me. And I wouldn't use the word passion" at the time. It was just something I enjoyed doing. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. Is developed into our passion.
0: Well I've seen you in action last time <laughs> we went together <laughs> yes, when, there was a session, when we jointly right. did the session at the yes. University about what a, a yes. year ago and I think you were absolutely brilliant. Thank you uh, and very authentic and very impactful. I yeah. think that's what you were trying to achieve anyway. Uh, that's, we, I hope we, so we, you know, that's,
1: that's definitely uh, what I try.
0: Well we could talk on on and on for this forever, yeah. uh, but unfortunately you know uh, it has to come to an end at some point. Thank you so much, Mira Thank for being you again. Uh, on coming on the podcast and sharing so many important lessons in life and career with, with the audience. And uh, I hope they, they also take it forward and implement you know, what, what we have discussed today. This podcast was brought to you by The Real Finance Mentor. Thank you so much for listening. And I really hope you found it insightful and inspirational. If you did enjoy this episode, please drop us a review and spread the word. And be sure to check out more exclusive content on the realfinancementor.com and my LinkedIn profile, which is Shankar, CFA. Let's keep in touch. Just add your name to the mailing list on the realfinancementor.com and we'll tell you about new episodes plus book reviews, upcoming events and blogs. Till the next time, onwards and upwards.